podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia, he's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sean, joined, as always, by Chris for this week's Big Fight Preview. And it isn't just one fight this week. There actually is a series of fights going on on different cards across different places in the world. So we are going to be covering a couple of those cards in this episode. But there's one particular standout fight for me personally, and I know, I think, Chris, I think you kind of agree on this, and I'll bring you into that in a minute, but... The one that I'm really looking forward to is on Sunday in Australia, which is Tim Zhu and Tony Harrison. That is the one that that really sort of whets my appetite to see what happens in that particular fight. But there is a card on in France, and it may be escaping quite a few people that this card is happening. So a few weeks ago, Dan Aziz was fighting for the EBU European Light Heavyweight title on the boxer card, on the same card as Adam Azim. Now, that fight was rescheduled and it is this weekend it is happening on a card against Thomas Faher who is the opponent he's facing but also on that card and the headline act for it is Tony Yoka versus Carlos Takam we've got Lauren Price on this card and we've also got Macaulay McGowan as well all of those English fighters that are on this particular card in France so that's certainly one we can have more discussions around and then you look around at what else is going on this weekend and you've got the card which features Robbie Davis Jr and Dara Foley Diego Pacheo and Jack Cullen, which I think will be a really entertaining fight. You've got Peter McGrail also on that card. Johnny Fisher, Akib Fias, Campbell Hudson. There's quite a few fights going on this weekend. And I'm going to hand it over to you, Chris. I'd like to give you the opportunity to sort of pick one fight out of all of them that you would really like to start this show off with. Yeah, well, let's start probably the one which is most significant on the, the world scene, and that's Tim Zhu. You know, Tim Zhu has had, I think, you know, quite a quiet career in terms of a a UK audience. You know, we've not necessarily seen a lot of his fights on UK television for whatever reason. And and I think that that's been a real shame because he's actually been progressing very well. You know, for, for those who are aware of his father, you know, Tim Zhu, you know, is a big name in America and in, in, sorry, in Australia. He's actually got a very, very strong social media following over there. He's got a very, very strong fan base over there and he's developed his own name and his own style. You know, the British fans will always just think back to his father and those nights against Ricky Hatton or the nights where he fought Zab Judah and, and, and think, you know, is this guy just cashing in on his father's name? But he's actually developed his own style and his own fan base, as I say. So it's one of those where there's kind of parallels to Conor Ben when you look at Tim Zhu and the fact famous father, well-known he turned over and not much was really known about him or, or thought about him. And he's learned his trade on the tools. He turned over in 2017 and, and he's now a master record of 21 and zero with 15 wins. 
he's 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 fought people probably on the downturn. You know, the the people that he's he's fought, someone that we'll know very well, Denton Vassell from from Manchester, Jeff Horn, Dennis Hogan. He fought Anui's brother Takeshi Anui, and and Dennis Hogan, and now he's fighting Tony Harrison. It is for an interim version of the, the Super Welterweight crown. Obviously, he was meant to be fighting Jamel Charlo for the Undisputed in America, but Charlo busted his hand up in three places and, and the fight kind of fell away. So, you know, it, it, they looked around and, and they managed to approach the WBO and got Tony Harrison there for the interim title. So it's a very, very interesting fight. You know, Tim zoo has been out the ring for a year. Is that going to have a, an issue Coming up against Harrison, he is actually making a step up against someone who has previously been a world champion and who, you know, is a very, very good boxer. You know, uh, to, to those who, who aren't really, you know, familiar with Tony Harrison, you know, he's a Detroit fighter, initially started out at the Kronk, and he's very much a, a boxer, not what you would think of as a traditional Kronk fighter. He, you know, he uses his jab very well, he uses outside of the ring very well. And he uses, you know, a fantastic little backhand which he's got, and and he keeps people honest by by what he does. But he has been beaten three times, Tony Harrison, and in the fights when he's um, been beaten against Jamel Charlo, Jarrett Hard, and against Willie Nelson, he's actually been doing very well, and in most of the fights, actually winning the the fights in in terms of the pundits. But then got stopped. But when he got stopped, it was almost like lights out. He, he struggled to get back in his feet. He was waving all over. So, you know, Tim Zoo can really, really hurt Tony Harrison here, who for me is probably just a little bit on the on the downslide. So I, th- I think they've actually managed to salvage what has been a bad year for Tim Zoo, given the fact he's not been out for a year with a very, very winnable fight against Harrison. And again, for Tim Zoo, for those who, who are not familiar with him, he's been selling out stadiums in Australia, and this is no different. It's a, a fight at the uh, Sydney Olympic Park, 12 rounds. It's actually going to be a very interesting fight. I think it's a fight which Tim Zoo can win. How much have you seen him, Sean? You know, for, for me, the only way that I've actually really got to follow Tim Zoo's career is by buying Blu-rays of them. You know, there's there's a guy that does boxing Blu-rays, a guy called Bob, and he's been supplying me for a few years now with Tim Zoo Blu-rays. That's the only way I've really got to follow him in the UK, which is, as I said before, it's a shame. It's difficult, isn't it? Like, you don't seem to... With all the platforms we have in this day and age, Chris, you'd honestly think that we'd be able to have seen more of his fights than, than where he's at. He's 21 and 0. He's going into his 22nd fight against uh, a former world champion who, like you say, is, is coming to the back end of his career and a brilliant name and a brilliant scalp to have on his record in the meantime while he's waiting to fight Charlo. So it has been hard, really. Following his career has been difficult because you can only get bits of fight footage that is available to see. So you, you can't really, unless you have been going down a completely different route and you've been streaming it in a different way where you can actually watch the fights, then maybe you are a bit more well-versed with Tim Zoo and what he actually brings to the table. He's a different fighter from his dad, and I think that's one of the biggest things to, to point out if you've not really seen Tim fight a full fight yet is because... You think of the zoo name and you think of Costa and you think of, of that marauding style that he had and the yeah. way he was able to get on the inside and hurt his opponents. And, and Tim's just different. He's a different fighter, but he's still got that tenacity about him that Costa had. And he uses that to his advantage. And so far, from what I've seen of his career, I have been 
genuinely impressed with his progression levels and the the fighters he has been facing. He's been facing legit guys in my eyes, legit fighters. They're not guys that I think have have been completely spoon-fed to him. You know, for the first half of his career, yeah, of course they have. But the second half of his career, where we're at now, absolutely, he started taking some really, really big names. And if you think of the last fight he had in March in 2022, Terrell Geisha, who we've just seen beat Brandon Lynch in quite emphatic fashion in America this past weekend, you know, that makes Tim Zhu's victory look better to me. It makes it look better mm-hmm. because of what Terrell was able to do against Brandon Lynch, who was another up-and-coming fighter who was arguably going to beat Geisha that weekend. So, it is interesting, like, where his career is at at the moment. He's a big star in Australia, but it really would have been that Charlo fight that I think would have helped that transition from him becoming well-known and a star in Australia to becoming more of a worldwide star. And I think what he needs to do for this fight is he needs to make a statement. And if he makes a statement, then Charlo's going to stand up and be like, look, this is a huge fight for the division. The super welterweight division needs another big fight like this. And I think... Sue versus Charlo in America certainly has all the ingredients to make a huge fight. He's not going to have it easy. He's not going to have it easy against Tony, though. And I don't think it will be a complete blowout. But what I see with Tony is what you've said. I see the same things. I see him as a really class operator. But he's he reminds me a little bit of the way Frank Bruno used to get hurt. And when he got hurt... He, he just went into this, this his, his body just kind of completely failed on him and his, yeah. his body wouldn't do what his mind wanted it to do. And I see that in Tony Harrison and you look at the defeats yeah. he's had on his record and, and that is exactly what's happened in my eyes. Uh, albeit though, he's had that victory over Charlo in 2018 when he when he beat him via unanimous decision, but then Charlo came back in 2019 and, and knocked him out in 11 rounds. And you know since then, he's, he's not been that active as well so really when you think about it Chris Tony's not really been as active either as Tim in the past 12 months so actually who do you favour here or you probably favour the younger fresher man who is on a really good winning streak and run of form at the moment against a guy who arguably this is kind of his last opportunity before maybe his time at world level is done yeah, yeah, and I think that's a valid point, you know. And the the opportunity for um, Tony Harrison, it's almost come out the blue here, obviously, because you know Charlo and Zoo were meant to be fighting on the twenty eighth of January. So it's it's one of these fights where I think what we've got is we've got a guy in the rise and a guy in the slide. So an excellent bit of matchmaking, first of all. But both guys are probably still at that level where they're, you know, either just coming into world class or just slipping out of world class. I think Tim Zhu, and as I say, I've studied his career because I was interested in his father. His father was one of my favourite fighters when I was younger because in the boxing magazines when I was buying them, you know, he came through and he beat um, Jake, Rod- Jake Rodriguez and won the title and I think his 14th fight. So for me, I then followed his father's career all the way through to any fort Shamba Mitchell, Ricky Hatton, whatever. So I, I know his father's career very well. So I was always interested to see how Tim prepared himself and how he actually got on as a professional. So as I say, I've been buying the Blu-rays and, and, and watching him fight. 
But what we really don't know about Tim Zhu is what he's going to be like if he's under pressure, because he's not necessarily had a great deal of pressure. Against Geisha, he was down in the first round and he came back and pretty much controlled the fight thereafter and, 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 and got a good decision, a unanimous decision. And that was meant to be him being exposed to the US public to set up the Charlo fight. But obviously it didn't happen for one reason or another. And, and now we've got to the point where he's, he's fighting Tony Harrison back in Australia. And, and the issue is here is, will that fight even really be picked up in America as a fight of significance? Does it really make any difference to him when it comes to selling the Jamel Charlo fight? Hopefully he still gets it. But I think if we're looking at Zoo critically, what does he do? Sometimes he can be a little bit slow on his feet. And he's certainly not got his father's feet. You know, that that that's one thing which is clear. His, his hands at times can be a little bit laboured. Sometimes he looks like he's forcing the punch. But I think that a lot of that is to come with he's not a natural fighter like his father. And he's having to sometimes think about what he actually does. And when he comes against Tony Harrison, Tony Harrison, as I say, started off in, in Detroit in the Kronk, world-famous um, gym. He's now trained by his, his brother, LJ Harrison, previously trained by his dad. They know his style. It wouldn't surprise me if Harrison comes out and, and, and outboxes Zoo in the first few rounds. Because, as I say, one thing which Tony Harrison has got is, is a very, very good boxing brain and a very, very sharp boxing brain. He's great with his counters. You know, you referenced Frank Bruno there for his chin and the way that he maybe just shuts off his body and, and can't necessarily hold. Absolute fantastic comparison. If you take maybe someone like Chad Dawson, who was previously at the light heavyweight, you know, and mix him in with Frank Bruno. That's kind of what we've got with, with Tony Harrison. So I, I could see the fight playing out as Harrison gets into a nice early rhythm, nice early points, lead there by maybe around six. Tim Zhu starts to put the foot down a little bit and he's, he's clubbing punches begin to actually have an effect on Tony Harrison. And that's the way that I see the fight kind of playing out. And I think it'll be a rough, tough, dogged fight over the last few rounds for Harrison. But I think that Zoo's probably just got a little bit enough energy to take a unanimous decision. But I, I think it's a really good fight, and I hope that it gets the big stage that it deserves. Yeah, I agree with that assessment of it. I'm going to be boring and say I absolutely 100% agree on, on what you're saying. And I think the outcome seems very viable for this particular fight. And there's no point of me trying to go against the grain for the sake of it. I and I honestly see Tim Zhu winning this fight and I see him either winning it by a late stoppage or it ends up going to points and he wins it quite convincingly. Uh, no disrespect to Tony, but I think Tony's on the slide and I think you know this is a big opportunity for him and I hope he's getting paid well for it. But I honestly think this is Tim's time and what he's going to do is he's going to show the world that he's ready for Charlo and that that fight is going to happen hopefully later in the year and it will happen and it will be a big event for the Super Welterweight Vision. That's, for me, the most significant fight. That's the most significant fight for you. But there are other yeah. fights going on this weekend and there's another one and I'm going to pick this next fight out specifically to talk about because I do think while it lasts, it could be a really exciting fight. Now, that fight is between the American Diego Pacheo and Jack Cullen. And I'm very surprised that they've managed to get Pacheo over to the UK, to be honest with you, for this one. Because he's amassed this, this really good record of 17 fights with 17 wins and 14 by way of knockout. And he's really had, if you've been following him, he's got a pretty decent resume so far in his career. And he's been quite active and a lot of people, a lot of our American counterparts who, who do podcasts and, and media 
I kind of see him being a an eventual sort of successor to the likes of the Canelos and the Caleb Plants and the David Benavides type fighters of the division. He's 21 years of age, so he's a he's he's still really young, but yet he's had 17 fights so far in his career, and he's going in against a really game and tough opponent in Jack Cullen whose career I've followed from the very beginning and I've seen him go from these small hall shows into these bigger fights uh, against the bigger names and he's not always come up the way he wanted it to come up and then obviously he moved up away and got himself into the super middleweight division and he's coming off the back of a victory but lost in his previous outing uh, via TKO in the sixth round so you know, he's a guy who, he's at a level, and that level for me, at the very best, is probably sort of European. I know he had the victory over uh, Anvi Yildirim in 2021, and it was a good victory for him, but I still see him as this European level fighter, and I don't see him being anything more than that, and, and what I see with this is him being a really game fighter going in against Pacheo, but ultimately... Pacheo, I think, will go on to stop Jack Cullen in this fight, and Jack Cullen will still come out of it valiantly, and and still people will want to fight him because they'll see him as a really tough, durable, European-level opponent to get guys like Pacheo moving forward in their careers. This is one of Pacheo's toughest fights, in in, in my opinion, on paper, and, and probably will be in the ring as well, but... I just want to know what you've made of Pacheo so far in comparison to what the American counterparts are making of him at the moment. Yeah, you know, I must admit, for for a kid that is 21 years old, it's very rare that we see someone execute their boxing movement, their counter-punching, their footwork, their defence like Diego Pacheo. You know, you talk about it being a, a very, very tough fight and Jack Cullen. You know, I looked at it when they actually put this out on paper and I kind of shook my head and I thought, oh, my God, what have they done to Jack Cullen here? Because, as you say, we've kind of followed him through his career. You know, he comes from quite near where I live now, down in, in, in Bolton and in, in, in just outside Manchester and Lancashire. And we know Jack Cullen, we know him well. The fight you're referring to when he got knocked out against Kevin Saggio was for the European Union, uh, European Boxing Union title, and he got knocked out with a body shot. And the minute that they announced that he was going to be fighting Diego Pacheo, I'm thinking, Jack Cullen's body is going to be in for a hell of a night here. Because, you know, Pacheo, you know, is, is, as you say, 17 and oh, with 14 KOs. He turned over in 2019. He was literally just out of school, 16, 17 years of age, and and they turned him over into a professional. You know, so they knew something about this kid. You know, they didn't want to hold him back any longer. And when you look at his amateur resume, he's been in the the World Youth Championships, American Pan Games, the Golden Gloves in America, the Silver Gloves in America. You know, he's had an extensive amateur career. And particularly between 2014 and 2017, he excelled as an amateur. Now, while he was going to these tournaments and not necessarily winning them, what he was doing was getting the grounding and the maturity, which you see in the ring just now. And I thought his last fight, which he had, uh, which was on the Estrada Gonzalez undercard, um, was a fantastic performance. He fought a guy called Adrian Luna, took him out in two rounds, destroyed him, knocked him, up, knocked him down three times, but every knockdown was different. 
And, and what he actually showed me there was he had a great jab. His defence was high. He moved his head back literally inches. You know, when we talk about head movement and you think about someone like, say, Canelo, who can actually be inside in the pocket, move his head movement by two or three inches and you still can't hit him. That was a kind of um, head movement which he showed against Luna. He's not at that refined level of Canelo yet, so, so, so don't think I'm getting too overexcited about him. But he did actually have something there which I've not seen in a, in a young kid for a, a long time. So if it sounds like I'm getting excited about him, I genuinely am. And and I think that when we see him in against Jack Cullen, I think he's probably got a tailor-made opponent for him. He's got someone like Cullen who's very, very brave. He'll come forward. You know, and, and, and Jack's had some really good outings. You know, Zach Chelly. We've seen, we've seen Jack, Zach Chelly recently, and he put on a great performance. He drew with Jack, um, Zach Chelly. You know, he's been in with John Doherty, Nick Quigley, Felix Cash, and, and, and Avi Yildirim, who will remember fighting Chris Eubank and Canelo. You know, so he's got a good grounding, but I just think when he gets in there, it could be a very, very painful night for him. And, and I can see that uh, Pacheco is just going to work that body. You know, the other thing we've got to remember about Pacheco as well. He is six foot four. Cully's six foot three. So it's it's quite a tall battle here at super middleweight. You know, where does Pacheco go? You could see him potentially getting a, a belt at super middleweight if they become free and then moving on up to light heavyweight and having a very, very strong career, potentially even up as far as, as cruiserweight. So for me, I am waxing a little bit lyrical. I'm a bit of a fanboy of him. I've been following his career now and uh, I'm glad that the zone have picked him up. It's going to be a very, very interesting night. And to see him in Liverpool on a on a on a card in the UK, you know, if people are there, they can say, you know, I think I've maybe seen a future world star. Yeah, I think you're right in that. And I think if you are going down to watch these fights this weekend, this will be a perfect opportunity to potentially see you know, the next big boxing superstar over the course of the next couple of years. So definitely tune into it. He's, he's a fighter that I am looking forward to watching again this weekend. On that particular card, you've got Robbie Davis Jr., Rhiannon Dixon, Peter McGrail, Johnny Fisher, Akib Fiaz, Campbell Hatton, Paddy Lacey and George Liddard all fighting on this particular card this weekend the card doesn't really appeal to me greatly Chris I'll be honest I feel like it is a very much uh, prospect versus journeyman card uh, it's, it's a standard sort of matched card and I think the you know the highlight fights of the night really is Pacheo and Cullen uh, and probably Davis Jr and Foley I think they're the ones that are, are most exciting to me personally so that is is sort of covering that particular card and I mentioned at the top of the show about the card in France which I honestly think this has probably gone under the radar for a lot of people it did for me to be fair because when we were going to do these episodes you mentioned about that card and I was like I've completely missed this card as well. Like I've completely missed the fact that Dan Aziz is fighting and he's going for that European like heavyweight title. And then you've got Tony Yoka, Carlos Takam, and then you've got Macaulay McGowan. Now I knew Macaulay was fighting soon, but I didn't realise it was this card. And then Lauren Price also sneaks in on this card as well, which is uh, which is quite a, a strange one for them all to be on. But it's 
it's good that they're all out here. It's uh, it's a good fight for Dan Aziz. We, you know, we, we were talking about this fight a couple of weeks ago, and you know, Dan Aziz is one of the prospects in the UK that I've really enjoyed covering over the past few years because I've watched his rise through the ranks and over the past three years in particular, where he's really come on strong and he's beat a lot of good fighters in the light heavyweight division. You know, in his last fight in particular, he beat Rocky Fielding, who has now since retired after that. But, you know, look at what Rocky Fielding did in his career and what he achieved at a certain level. Then he had Shaqan Pitters, Reese Cartwright, Hosea Burton, Ricky Summers, Andre Sterling. You know, these are all names around the last three or four years, which people will be very familiar with, that have all come from the small hall circuits and, and gone on to these big TV shows. So he's going over to the Lions then in France and he's fighting and looking at trying to progress his career on even further I think he's he's got some mighty big cajones for going over there and doing this because the fight was originally scheduled to take place in the UK and now Dan Aziz has just decided look I want this fight to still carry on but I'll go to Paris if I have to and he's doing it and I think that's that's just testament to him as a professional that he doesn't care the fact that it is in his opponent's backyard that he's going over there to make a statement and he's one of the fighters that I, I really think in the next year or so will start to get bigger names in the opposing corner and I'm not sure where his career will go. I'm not sure what his ceiling is yet. So far, I've been very impressed with him. I think he can win this fight. I think he can become European champion. And I'm just not too sure if he, he has any more of a ceiling to go to yet. But from what I've seen so far, Chris, I, I'm genuinely impressed. And I think there's a little bit more left to see from him just yet. I don't think we've seen everything from him. No, not, not at all. And, you know, first of all, any fighter who comes out and, and openly states that one of his heroes is Marvin Hagler will, will get me watching his fights. And you can see that in Dan Aziz. He wears the long shorts, or, or sorry, the long socks like Marvin Hagler. He wears the velvet shorts like Marvin Hagler. And he's a student of the game. And I enjoy listening to him whenever he does an interview because he does reference fighters from the bygone era and fighters from the 80s and the 70s. So, you know, I, I like Dan Aziz. And as you say, I've enjoyed what he's done. His body of work over the, the last two years in particular has been very strong. And it, it's led him to this opportunity against Thomas Favre. And, you know, when you look at Thomas Favre, you know, he's almost set up for Dan Aziz. Thomas Favre's 21-4-1, but he's only got two KOs. So will he be able, with 21 victories but only two KOs, hold Dan Aziz off? Because once Dan Aziz gets a little bit of confidence, he, he likes to muscle and hustle a fighter. And, and I can see him doing that with Favre from what I've seen. You know, But it, it's an interesting clash of styles as well. You know, We've got a French champion versus a British champion going for a European belt in France. You know, it, It's been a while since our fighters have travelled over to the um, the continent. And I think you've got to take your hat off for Dan Aziz and Lauren Price for doing that, but also Ben Shalom from Boxer, who controls both these fighters' careers. You know, He made sure that they got active when the last card for Dan Aziz fell through. You know, and, and I think that is something which should be applauded here. And, you know, the headline card on it is, is, is very good for France. You know, you've got Carlos Takam versus Tony Yoker. You know, they're bringing Yoker back in against the name and Carlos Takam. 
Cam after he got beat by Martin Bacoli. So it's an interesting fight, that one. One you would expect Joker to win and win convincingly because to Cam, you know, at the age of 42 now, you know, he's been beaten seven times. He's 39-7-1. Tony Joker, you know, obviously ha- has won gold medal at the, the World Championships before. You know, big things were expected from him. But his career's not really taken off. So it's a good stage for our British kids to be out against. And, and I think Dan Aziz, great. Lauren Price getting out there as well. So as I say, a really good outing for them. And it's a very, very winnable fight for Dan Aziz. I think the one thing which Dan Aziz just cannot do in this fight is smother his own work. From the fights I've watched of him recently, that's the one thing which he tends to do when he's got an opponent hurt. He did it a little bit against Rocky Fielding. He knew that he had Rocky hurt, so he just came in and he kept continually swarming him. And at one point I was thinking, just back off a little bit, take a little half step back and you may actually be able to catch him clean. So I think for Dan on, on Saturday night, if, if he can come in and just stick to his box and, and just be very patient, I think he could actually have a reasonably easy night's work against Thomas Favre. Looking forward to it. It's a bit of a mixed bag of tricks this weekend with the fights that are going on. And normally I'm expecting some sort of major fight. And it, for the last couple of weeks, it's felt a little bit lacklustre because you know we've had this expectation of seeing all these huge fights. But actually there's... There's some decent fights going on. There's a really great deal of small hall shows going on across the UK on Saturday night. And, you know, I couldn't be remiss without mentioning any of the relevant fights that are actually happening this coming weekend. So, you know, I'm just going to quickly whip through them over in your neck of the woods at the Bolton Whites Hotel. We've got a card there, which is by VIP Boxing Promotions, Steve Woods Promotional Company. And we've got Luke Evans topping the bill, 12-0-1 against Robin Zamora. We've got a raft of local talented fighters on there. We've got a Bill in Leicester with Kyle Hayward and Brian Amos fighting for the Midlands Area Super Welterweight title. And then at the York Hall in Bethnal Green, you've got Lewis Frimpong and Connor Adaway for the vacant Southern Area title. And Paul Brown versus Jack Owen also for the vacant Southern Area light heavyweight title. So there is quite a few small hall shows going on this weekend if you are out and about and you're going to be looking to get into one of those and supporting any of the local boxers that are fighting this weekend, please do make sure that you try to get down if you can and follow these guys because it won't be long before some of them actually get to TV and we start talking about them more prevalently in these podcasts. So that is pretty much all of the fights that are going on this weekend, all of the relevant fights that are going on this weekend. But I couldn't not sit here and mention that as we record this episode on this night, on the Monday night, as we're recording it, there is a certain interview that is being aired on the television, which I'm certainly sure myself and you, Chris, will be reacting to later on in the week in some capacity, and that is this big interview with Connor Ben and Piers Morgan. What are you expecting out of this? Well, I think what we've seen so far in the clips that have been released is Connor Ben potentially looking to... Oh, I don't know. I don't. Is he in denial? 
is he critical? Is he overly critical of the WBC? Is he overly critical of the, the British Boxing Board of Control? He talks about mental health, apparently, in the interview, which is always interesting because I've seen a number of people turning around and saying, you know, why are you playing the mental health card? You're obviously lying. You know, I would never, ever say that about someone because mental health is, is, is such a, a massive topic that we can't say, you know, what someone's thought process was. I just need to see it and I need to sit down and see it in full. I'm a big one for watching people's body language and expressions, you know, and, and for those who, who don't know my, my job in, in normal life, as it were, rather than when we're talking about boxing, is I'm a corporate banking manager. And, and one of the things which I do is I sit and interview people, you know, day in, day out. I'm always looking at the body language, micro expressions, buying patterns do they actually you know say anything with their hands with their feet and that's what i'll be looking at with Connor ben i'll be i'll be trying to i suppose break them down and, and just see what i feel for it so until i've seen it i don't think i've really got too much more to say in it but once i've seen it i'm sure i'll have a hell of a lot to say there's going to be a lot to say about it because it really will tell us a little bit more about what we make of it. Or will it? Will it just give us more confusing times? i got a feeling mm. it possibly could give us some more confusion because one thing's been said previously and then another thing gets said in this interview. But it is a hot topic. It will be spoke about. So, you know, if you've listened to this episode at a certain part of the week when you're tuning into it, you may have already watched it by this point. And if you have, what I would say is, Drop us a tweet at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and let us know your thoughts. I'm sure it'll be going all over social media in the next two to three days of the week. Please do let us know what your thoughts are on it because we love having these conversations because you get all sorts of different opinions. Some of them are absolutely outrageous and nonsensical and some of them are really valid and, and really interesting perspectives on what's going on on this side of the the, the, the fence for Conor Ben and, and what's sort of going to happen next for him. So, yeah, genuinely looking forward to seeing what the reactions are to it and, of course, what he actually has to say as well. So it'll be very, very interesting. But we will be back next week. We'll be back with a reaction show for this weekend's fights and we'll be also covering the following weekend's fights also. So if you have enjoyed listening to the big fight previews and reaction shows, please make sure you drop us a tweet and you reshare them on every social media channel that you're on if you're following us on twitter it's at btr boxing pod if you're on facebook it's btr boxing podcast network we're on instagram btr boxing podcast there as well and if you want to subscribe to the youtube channel you can do you can find all of our audio content via the youtube channel but for me and from chris that is everything for this big fight preview have a great weekend enjoy the fights and we will be back next week Podcast Network.